Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. My name is Sarah O'Keefe, and I'm your host today. In this episode, we discuss the pros and cons of Markdown with Dr. Carlos Avia. Dr. Avia is a professor and associate dean at Virginia Tech, and also the chief technology officer in the College of Liberal Arts and Human Sciences. Additionally, he's an expert on DITA XML and has worked toward bringing structured authoring concepts into university curricula. This is part one of a two-part podcast. Carlos, welcome, and welcome back to the podcast. Yay, but thank you for having me again on the podcast. Well, welcome back. And let me start with the, the basic question and the theme for this podcast, which is, uh, what is Markdown? Ay, ay, ay. Well, that's a tricky, that's a tricky thing because if you go back to the, uh, what, 2004 definition from John Gruber, Markdown was supposed to be a very simple text to HTML syntax that will kind of look like, uh, I don't want to use the word structure, but here I am using structure, like a structure email message or like the kind of, structured text that we all people used in Usenets for all you youngsters out there when the web was this new thing and the internet was pretty much text-based and Usenet was where you could get all your entertainment but it was text so to make the text readable we used some uh, hashtags and underlines and asterisks to emphasize and highlight components so Markdown came to life as part one, precisely that kind of simple syntax that will make text easy to read, easy to digest, easy to understand. But then the second thing that Markdown had was a little tool that will convert that syntax to actual, actual HTML because people were writing HTML and they were going to be like, oh, brackets, who needs that? So then you wouldn't need to have a brackets. You will just write following that syntax. And then there was a little tool that would attach to uh, blog engines like movable type back in the early 2000s. And that will automatically convert that text to HTML syntax to actual HTML or back in the day, XHTML that would be presented to web browsers. And that's it. That's what Markdown was. But I think the evolution of Markdown has gone in very interesting ways, not because of the developers or the creators of Markdown, but by the use cases that users have given to Markdown. And I, now you can see people who think of Markdown as a, I don't want to say complete, but like a partial workflow for developing or storing or presenting or publishing content. And I think that's, you know, kind of weird because if you were to see some of the flavors of Markdown that are out there that add lots of squeaklies and a chain of semicolons and columns to make the content more structured or behave more like something that is not just plain text, that's not Markdown because it's really breaking with the principle of making it easy to read and making it just plain text. So that was a long, long answer to tell you what Markdown, the original intention behind Markdown was and where some flavors of, or versions of Markdown are today. 
Okay. So it, it started out as super simple and now it's getting increasingly complicated. And I think for those of us that live in the XML and Ditto world, there's, there's a good bit of, uh, I don't know, infighting or conflict between the Markdown people and the Ditta people. Uh, I mean, not everybody falls on one side or the other of that fence, but there definitely seem to be two factions. So why? Like, why, why are those two groups fighting? Are they fighting? I don't know about fighting. Let me tell you something. I think that Markdown and Ditta live in parallel not so much parallel because they have intersecting points universes of content creation and i think that the fight is uh something that is being represented by at least three types of individuals number one um publishers of self-authored non-peer-reviewed books that write something and say this is the way like the mandalorian this is the way (laughs) And you have to follow this way. And because they self-published, they are not peer-reviewed, it's my way. And you're going to think that, you know, what I propose is the way to do it. And if you don't agree with me, don't write my self-published, non-peer-reviewed book. But if you do it, you're going to probably think that, okay, that is the way. And I'm going to think about it. So that's one group of people that are like, yeah, there's this fight. The second group will be people who, let's be honest, get paid to say that. So we know some people on the Twitterverse who try to create this fight of Dita versus Markdown or Markdown versus Dita, depending on who you think should go first. And I don't think that's a real war. It's just that people get paid to do that in order to sell a product. Uh, Dita versus Markdown. Dita be bad. Markdown be good if you buy my content management system or my blogging platform or whatever it is that I'm selling and I get paid to tweet that there's a war. And the number three in this type of individual that kind of supports this war or conflict is friends of the data world who have tried to reach out to the markdown-based crowd. And they went to one conference or they did one presentation about data and they were a little sad or disappointed because not everybody in the audience immediately jump and say, I love you, Dita. Oh, kiss, kiss, hug, hug. I'm abandoning everything else. So when they came back to the universe of Dita users, Dita developers, they were like, oh, the Markdown people, they don't like us. But I don't think there's really a war. I think that the big population, and it's huge, of people who use Markdown as it was intended, as it was developed, as it was created, as a text-to-HTML tool, many of them don't even know that Dita exists because they don't have a use case for Dita. They have a use case for a simple uh, shorthand approach to creating HTML, and they use Markdown. So it's not like they're like, we hate Dita, because they don't even know what Dita is. And on the other hand, we have people who use Dita because they are in highly structured, highly regulated environments, and they use Dita because that works for them. But, you know, on their everyday life, if they want to build a website or if you want to put a comment on uh, somebody's blog, you use Markdown. And that's my case. I, I live in the Dataverse, but when I need to make a quick website or I need to 
tell my students how to do something super simple that is going to be only posted on a website, we use Markdown. And we up here in my classes, I think we've been teaching Markdown since 2005 or something like that. And at the same time, we've been teaching Dita in sometimes in the same class or in different courses since, I don't know, 2002 or something like that. So I don't think there's a war. I think it's different use cases. And I think that those funding the, the, the idea of a war fall into those three groups of individuals that I presented. But you can have them both and use them for different purposes. And I think life can be good. Okay, so so it sounds as though you're going to take the grown-up perspective on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I, I can be mean and, you know, you. tell you that. Yeah. So, okay. But I'm still thinking about the Mandalorian analogy. And, and what I want to know is, in this scenario, who is the child? I think the child, <laughs> oh, I don't know, because people think that Markdown is new. But it's not a new thing. It's been around formally as as both of those components, as the syntax and the tool to transform that syntax to HTML or XHTML since early 2004. And if you just take the syntax of writing using the hashtags and asterisks and underline, well, that has existed since the early 2000s, if not earlier than that. And that's about the time that, I, that Dida came out of IBM and became a standard. So I don't think there's necessarily a component in this situation that is going to be the equivalent of that child who has these <laughs> powers that are in development and, and can bring hope to the galaxy and what have you. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a case in here where somebody's a David or a Goliath. I think that they are about as the, the same age and it's just a matter of the user base. And like I told you before, I think Markdown has a huge user base because most people need to develop content for the web if they're not using uh, Facebook or Twitter. I mean, if you're writing content and you're publishing your own stuff that is going to be on, on, on a website, you need to do HTML. And ain't nobody got time to write HTML hand-coded anymore. So Markdown is an approach to do that. But, you know, there's a small set of people, very highly specialized uh, content specialists that need to be working in something way more structured for a variety of reasons, as, as you know, and as the audience of your podcast know. And those are the ones who use data. But, you know, I think that they're, they can be both good people and they can be both powerful Jedis <laughs> in different environments. And with that, I think we will wrap up part one. We will be back to continue our discussion about Markdown with Dr. Carlos Avia. Thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.